0: hello everyone and welcome to the bwl podcast i'm one of your co-hosts brian gonzalez
1: hi
2: i'm Connor mckeckern uh, another co-host and i'm ryan Minette. uh today with us we have a co-host and i would like for him to introduce himself paul
1: hi, hi i'm paul i'm the artist and i was promised candy um hey guys where is it sorry paul
2: <laughs> nowhere to be found, candy. To be found. Oh. it
0: was a lie
2: oh
1: well
0: you're here now right.
2: and and you're stuck with us so get used to it well Today, uh, the four of us are gonna read to you a little bit of George Orwell's 1984. Uh, It's a very interesting book and we're gonna tell you why you should read it. Uh, To do that, we're just gonna read a little bit of the first uh, section of the book, go through some pages, and uh, hopefully you find some interest in it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy 1984. Chapter One. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. Winston Smith, his chin nuzzled into his breast in an effort to escape the vile wind, slipped quickly through the glass doors of Victory Mansions, though not quickly enough to prevent a swirl of gritty dust from entering along with him. The hallway smelt of boiled cabbage and old rag mats. At one end of it, a colored poster, too large for indoor display, had been tacked to the wall. It depicted simply an enormous face, more than a meter wide, the face of a man of about 45, with a heavy black mustache and ruggedly handsome features. Winston made for the stairs. It was no use trying the lift. Even at the best of times, it was seldom working, and at present, the electric current was cut off during daylight hours. It was part of the economy drive in preparation for hate week. The flat was seven flights up, and Winston, who was 39 and had a varicose ulcer above his right ankle, went slowly, resting several times on the way. On each landing, opposite the lift shaft, The poster with the enormous face gazed from the wall. It was one of those pictures which are so contrived that the eyes follow you when you move, when about, they follow, the eyes follow you about when you, mo- <laughs> excuse me, the eyes follow you about when you move. Brandon. Thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you very much. I'm sorry about that. It's fine, Ryan. You know
0: We all make those stuttery moments. Inside the flat, a free voice was reading out a list of figures which had something to do with the reduction of pig iron. The voice came from an oblong metal plaque, like a dull mirror, which formed part of the surface of the right hand wall. Winston turned a switch and the voice sank somewhat through the words were still sorry, were still distinguishable. The instrument, the telescreen it was called, could be dimmed, but there was no way of shutting off completely. He moved to the window, a smallish filled figure fail i'm sorry all good we need <laughs> water in this car but you know it's, it's okay. all good Frail figure my candy. the meagerness of his body merely emphasized by the blue overalls which were the uniform of the party his hair was very fair his face naturally uh seguin his skin roughened by coarse soap and a blunt razor and the cold winter had just ended outside even though the shut window pane the world looked cold down the street, little eddies of wind were whirling dust and torn paper into spirals. And though the sun was shining and the sky a harsh blue, there seemed to be no color in anything except the posters that were plastered everywhere. The black mustachioed face gazed down from every commanding corner. There was one on the house from immediately opposite. Big Brother is watching you, the caption said, while the dark eyes looked deep into Winston's own. Down the street level, another poster torn at one corner flapped fitfully in the wind. Alternately, covering and uncovering the single word Ingsoc in the far distance of a helicopter skimmed down between the roofs, hovered for an instant like a blue bottle and darted away again with a curving flight. It was the police patrol snooping in people's windows. The patrols did not matter, however. Only the thought police mattered.
3: Thank you, Brennan. The annoyance voice... Uh it's fine, Connor. Well, Excuse me. Sorry. we will have a, a little shovel talk f- here. Yeah.
2: It's our first time. We're a little yeah. nervous. Well, let's bring water, it's water next time. Yeah, we'll bring water, okay. water next time. All right, here we
3: go. Beyond Winston's yes. back, the voice from the telescreen screen was still babbling away about the pig iron and the overfillment of the ninth three-year plan. The telescreen screen received and transmitted simultaneously. Any sound that Winston made above the level of a very low whisper would be picked up by it. Moreover, so long as he remained within the field of vision, which the metal plague plaque commanded... He could be well seen as, he could be seen as well as heard. There was, of course, no way of uh, knowing whether you're being watched at any given moment, uh, how often, or on what system. The Thought Police plugged in on any indica- individual wire was guesswork. It was even conceivable that uh, they watched everybody all the time. But at any rate, they could plug into your wire whenever they wanted to. You had to live, did did live, from habit that became instinct in the assumption that every sound that you made was overheard, and, except in darkness, every mo- movement was scrutinized. Winston kept his back turned to, towards... Excuse me. Winston kept his back turned to the, to, to the telescreen. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, it was safer, though, as he well knew. Even a back can be revealing. A kilometer away, the Minister of Truth, his place of work, towered vast and white above the grimy landscape. This, he thought, was a sort of vague distaste. This was London, chief city of the airstrip one, itself the third most populous of the provinces of Oceania. He tried to squeeze out some childhood memory that he should uh, tell him whether London had always been quite like this. Were there always these vistas of rotting 19th century houses, their sides shored up uh, with bulks of timber, their windows patched with cardboard and their roofs congregated iron, uh, their crazy garden walls sagging in all directions? The bomb sites where the pl- plaster dust swirled in the air and the will- willow herb straggled over the heaps of rubble and the places where bombs had cleared a path, a larger path, and there had st- strung, uh, strung up some sordid uh, colonies of wood dwellings like chicken houses. It was no use. He could not remember. Nothing remained of his childhood except a uh, series of bright-lit uh, tablox uh, occurring against no background and most unintelligent. Unintelligible.
1: The mystery of truth, True in Newspeak, was startlingly different from any other object in sight. It was a, an enormous fit per, pyramidal structure of glittering white concrete, soaring up Terrence after Terrence, 300 meters into the air. From where Winston stood, it was just impossible to read, picked out. On its white face in elegant lettering the three lit, uh, slogans of the party war is peace freedom is slavery and ignorance is strength the mystery of truth contained as it was it was said 3,000 rooms above ground level and corresponding ramifications below scattered around Lo- scattered about London uh, there were just three other buildings with similar appearance and size so completely did they dwarf the surrounding architecture that from the roof of the vi- of Victory Mansions, you could see all four of them simultaneously. They were the homes of the four ministries between which the entire apparatus of government was divided. The Ministry of Truth, which uh, which concerned itself with news, entertainment, education, and the fine arts. The Ministry of Peace, which concerned itself with the war. The Ministry of Love, which maintained law and order. And the Ministry of Plenty, which was responsible for economic affairs. Their names in Newspeak, Minitru, Minipax, Minilove, and Miniplenty. The Ministry of Love was, uh, was the really frightening one. There were no windows in it at all, Winston I have never been inside the Ministry of Love, nor within half a kilometer of it. It, it was a place impossible to enter except on official business, and then only by penetrating through its maze of barbed wire, entanglements, steel doors, and hidden machine gun nests. Even the streets uh, leading up to its outer barriers were roamed by gorilla faced guards in black uniforms, armed with join- jointed truncheons. Winston turned around abruptly. He had set his face features into the expression of quiet, quiet optimism, which it was advisable to um, wear when facing the telescreen. He crossed the room into the tiny kitchen. By leaving the mystery at this time of day, he had sacrificed his lunch in the canteen. And he was aware that there was no food in the kitchen except a hunk of dark colored bread, which had, uh, had got to be saved for tomorrow's breakfast. He took down from the shelf a bottle of colored liquid with a plain white label marked Victory Gin. It gave off a sickly, oily smell as of Chinese rice spirit. Weston poured out nearly a t- uh, teacupful, nerved himself for a shock, and then gulped it down like a dose of medicine.
2: Instantly, his face turned scarlet, and the water ran out of his eyes. The stuff was like nitric acid, and moreover, in swallowing it, one had the sensation of being hit on the back of the head with a rubber club. The next moment, however, the burning in his belly died down, and the world began to look more cheerful. He took a cigarette from a crumpled packet, marked Victory Cigarettes, and incautiously held it upright. Whereupon the tobacco fell out onto the floor... Oh, no. With the next, he was more successful.
0: (laughs) Are you okay, Mr. Ryan?
2: I'm okay. Sorry, guys. He went back to the living room and sat down at a small table that stood to the left of the telescreen. From the table drawer, he took out a pen holder, a bottle of ink, and a thick, quarto-sized blank book with a red back and a marbled cover. For some reason, the telescreen in the living room was in an unusual position. Instead of being placed, as was normal, in the end wall, where it would command the whole room, It was in the longer wall, opposite to the window. To one side of it, there was a shallow alcove in which Winston was now sitting, and... (laughs) Which, when the flats were built, had probably been intended to hold bookshelves.
0: Oh, interesting. Now, gentlemen, would you like to, you know, maybe take a break and discuss, or do you want to just fully move on to the discussion part of our First Impression Friday?
2: I say we uh, move on to the discussion part of our first impression Friday.
0: Okay. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in so far. We went up to page six, I'd say. And we will now begin the discussion. Now, what are our first impressions of the world that our main character is in? Uh, dystopian.
2: Well, there's a reason why dystopian worlds are sometimes referred to as Orwellian fantasies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think George Orwell is creating a very unique, um, almost disturbing um, atmosphere <laughs> Um, that I'd say is quite intriguing. Um, yeah,
0: I'm. It leaves you. It leaves you with a lot of questions, like exactly what exactly. are these ministries exactly? Who are exactly. the thought police? Yeah, How did it get to this? And I know we're time? only
2: on page six, but it leaves me wanting more. And yeah, I hope it leaves yeah, the, the uh, listener.
0: Wanting Even page one is such a, like I want to. It's a page turn. You really do want to keep going. Yeah, I want yeah. to know
2: what's happening in this world. I want to get to know it. You know, I want to know why it's like this. You know. Now, one thing rings
1: true for me: um, the fact that it states uh, every you've lived to. And you live in a no- with the knowledge that every move you make will be scrutinized. Any mm. little thing you do is watched. Yeah, and that is kind of a terrifying thought, isn't it?
0: Definitely. Yeah. It's there crazy. is no privacy. Yeah. You know, as like Ray Bradbury had uh wrote in Night four fifty one, you know, that book's about censorship and not being allowed to read books essentially. Yeah, you know, there's this themes one seems of... to be a, like you're controlling your thought, you yeah. know. Censorship of thought, essentially. There's yeah. themes of like.
2: censorship and privacy and yeah. personal freedoms. And
1: the ministry doesn't even have to censor it. You censor it yourself. Yeah,
2: I think that, you yeah. know, this may be... That is true, Paul. That's a really good statement. This may be relevant to today's society with, yeah. you know, yeah. the debates over privacy and security. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Brandon, when was this book created?
0: Um, let me see. Oh, I can take a gander. Um, I'm not too sure. I'll, I'll look
1: on the cover. If you could look it up for us, uh, Mr. Ryan, while I try and figure it out. I believe it's also like kind of. There's also the weird things that have been happening with, over the internet um, recently. Mm. Just the people trying to kind of control it. Yeah, especially internet control. Especially. It was in uh, the UK of all places.
2: Yeah. Agreed.
1: I think I agree. it was called Ted. Um,
2: so we don't know exactly when it was written. <laughs> um, I know it wasn't written in 1984, I'll yeah, tell you that. Yeah. But I think no matter when it was written, it's still prevalent to 2019 yeah. and what's happening. And yeah. I don't know. I think it's just important topics that we need to be thinking about as a society.
0: Like yeah, what is censorship? What does it mean to ah? It seems our uh, our good man Connor here. Yep. You know, Thank you, Connor. As up the date. Now, what is the date, Connor? Uh, date written
3: was uh, 1948. Ah, 1984 oh. was written yeah, in 1948. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah. Interesting. I, if we look
0: at the time period that is, uh, you know, around World War Two, oh, that might give um... yeah.
1: some. I believe, if i remember correctly, um, this book was written as Orwell's fears uh. of like what a society could be. If, uh, mm-hmm. from co- communism and uh, the Nazis, yeah. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. I see that.
0: That's what, uh, a lot of, like, dystopian writing comes to. It's really, like, from a real fear of what we could yeah. become. And I, yeah. think, I
2: think he was on to something, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah,
1: I don't know. There's something he said about, like, the, um, Big Brother. He's a giant yeah. tower who watches over you. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, and, you know, I, as weird as a, of a comparison as it is, it reminded me of just, like, jesus before having any context of what this man was mm-hmm. he was a man but like i feel that this uh that big brother is scarier than a man who is dying on a cross something about that he has more like symbolism, yeah. Saying. yeah yeah i could see that
2: i think whereas jesus was uh a benevolent figure that big brother may be malevolent and we don't necessarily know that but i think if we continue reading
1: um, really that world we world.
2: may get to the bottom of who Big Brother is and what the society um, he's the like a, he's the centerpiece yeah. is why mean. Exactly. somehow yeah. I agree with you yeah, yeah. scary so,
0: I think that's a good wrap up everybody You know.
2: yeah good place to stop
0: you know I think this is a good book to read I'm enamored by the first couple pages me as well and paragraphs and just the world that's being built mm-hmm. especially the use of you know the uh you know, show, don't tell.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's a very talented writer, and I'd be interested in reading more of his works. Okay. Yeah. Animal Farm. Oh, yes, that's did, another one. Yeah. That's, that's another, another one. Maybe on we'll a future episode. Yeah. We'll
0: yeah. An Animal Farm. Uh, the closing statement from anyone?
1: I would not want to live there. Maybe. That is fair, Paul. That's yeah, a that's, fair that's assumption. definitely a first time. I, agree. I agree. I
0: agree. Do not want to live in the 1984 <laughs> timescape. <Airship> one. <laughs> yeah, well, well,
2: thank you for joining us on our first uh, BWL podcast. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed Please tune in in the future. Have a great day.
1: Do I get my candy now?
2: Yes, you do, Paul.